0: It's Monday, August 16th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The fight between parents, school districts, and governors over mask-wearing in schools continues as more students are returning to class. In some states, Republican governors have passed rules that schools cannot mandate masks. But confronted with increasing COVID cases, school superintendents are defying orders and requiring them for kids. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News, joins us for the mask fight, why the new census numbers are so important, and the incoming New York Governor Kathy Hochul has already said she will be running in 2022. Next, the world is experiencing another major coronavirus surge and every country is dealing with it differently. In those responses, we are seeing pockets of people resisting the vaccines, but also a severe lack of access to the shots in poorer countries. Germany and Israel have vaccinated two-thirds of their population. Great Britain has left it to personal responsibility and is learning to live with the virus. And Indonesia has become a new epicenter dealing with a growing number of deaths. Sammy Westfall, reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for how the world is handling the latest surge. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Our view is, of course, that, that we believe this is a decision for the parent. Uh, to make just given the the uncertainty about what it means, particularly for a lot of the young kids to to be in that. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the battle over school masking right now. It's all over the country. It's happening right now. You know, everybody's going back to school a lot and. We're just seeing a ton of rising cases with the Delta variant all over the country. So a lot of school superintendents, school districts are saying we need masks for children, teachers, any staff that's working at the schools. But the problem is there's a a bunch of Republican-led states who have already passed laws, basically said that you can't require masks, Florida, Texas, among others. And it's just kind of reaching this fever pitch. Everybody's fighting over this all over again.
1: That's right. We're having another round of mask fighting Keep in mind that most schools are going back either this week or as we get into September, the first week of September, most schools are back by then. And there's this real disagreement over masks. Now, there's two different things going on here. One, keep in mind that many school children, those who are 12 and over, qualify for the vaccine. What we're seeing is that in most communities, child vaccination rates sort of mirror the adult vaccination rates. People who aren't getting vaccinated aren't vaccinating their children. And adults who are getting vaccinated are vaccinating their children. And then there's the other complication that children under 12, so elementary age children, can't get the vaccine. So what do you do about them? And there's this real disagreement we saw in Texas where the governor issued a, an order that forbid mass mandates in schools that we've now seen some of the s- largest school systems in the state in Dallas and Austin saying they are going to ignore him or fight him in court over this. Florida, sort of in the same boat where places like Tallahassee are implementing mass rules for their schools, even though the state has said they can't. And so this is something where I think we're going to watch them fight. And I think we're going to see parents fighting over this parents. who think that all children should be wearing masks in school and parents who say that their children shouldn't be required to wear a mask and they don't want them to be wearing them.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's nuts, especially on the parents side, too. There was a story out of Tennessee where parents were going after people who voted to wear the mask and we're going to come find you. You know, so parents are on all sides of this. And for some of these Republican governors, they're saying that they're going to be withholding funding from these school districts, from the superintendents, if they continue with their mask orders.
1: And you look at Florida, where Governor DeSantis was pretty consistent in the early part of the pandemic that the response was to be done on a local level. He wanted mayors and county officials to be making the decisions. And that's important, I think, he thought in a state where Rates and infections were very different in different parts of the state, that there shouldn't be a one size fits all rule for the state. And then now we get to the other side, and he's got this one size fits all rule, and he's saying that uh, the local government shouldn't be allowed to make these decisions. So there's definitely a little bit of a different shift in, in perspective here, I think. And I think we're going to see the schools, the governors, and the parents continue to fight over this.
0: Let's move on to some new census details that we're getting. The first detailed results of the 2020 census showing that. The U.S. is aging. It's diversifying in its makeup. It's continuing to grow faster in the South and the Southwest. The total white population is shrinking for the first time in its history. And the big thing, lawmakers, they're going to use all of this data to start redistricting. So Congress is going to get a shakeup. There's going to be a bunch of states that gain seats, some that lose seats. So it's uh, some pretty important details coming out.
1: Yeah, so we already knew the broad strokes about what states were going to be picking up congressional seats and what states were going to be losing them. And as you said, we already know that places like the Southeast, the Southwest are going to have pickups of seats. They're going to have more members of Congress from these places. Places like California and New York losing seats in Congress as their populations have gotten smaller. But now we're going to be able to look at the nitty gritty. We're going to be looking able to see what kind of dynamic shifts we might see in some of these districts and how the populations in actual districts themselves have changed and how that's going to play out for, for what Congress looks like in 2023
0: they stick to these numbers pretty good. I mean, it helps, you know, obviously between Republicans, Democrats holding seats and all that stuff. So yeah, we'll get to see a lot of that coming up pretty soon. I also wanted to talk about the incoming governor of New York, Kathy Hochul. We got, uh, obviously she spoke last week. Uh, We heard from governor Andrew Cuomo that he was resigning after the attorney general report, finding he harassed 11 women. So Kathy Hochul stepping in, she's already said that she's gonna run for governor in 2022. And she tried to distance herself, basically saying, I wasn't there for a lot of the stuff that Governor Cuomo was doing. I was touring the state, getting out the agenda. So I'm not part of that that crew right there.
1: She had asked, well, "You know, how can you say you're not part of the Cuomo administration when you were part of the Cuomo administration? But she did try to distance herself from the governor saying, or the soon to be former governor, he's got about a week left now. That she didn't spend time around him, physically wasn't near him, was doing other things, and that she's going to be very different, vowing to never have a toxic workplace, to purge people from the administration who were part of any unethical behaviors around this report and its findings, and then really saying that she was going to take the state in a different direction in terms of how she was running the office, but the same in terms of policy. She she thinks that on the policy front, they're doing the right things and she's going to continue to do that
0: you know, obviously people are trying to nail her down on that, right? You're part of the Cuomo administration, but it does seem overall like people are rooting for her. You know, nobody wants the state to collapse and and crash down. So it does seem like she has a lot of goodwill going into the position now. And, you know, as far as the agenda items and all that, she said she's watching COVID very closely. She's already said that she's will probably mandate masks again indoors and all that.
1: There has been No sort of more tumultuous time in America in a long time, in decades, to assume a governorship, especially without being elected with COVID as it is unfolding. And in this state in which you have really very different populations and de- very different views, New York City, which was the first really hard hit place and how they've responded and how they've taken up vaccines compared to upstate New York, where the response has been very different, a much ruler part of the state, part of the Rust Belt, as it is sometimes termed that has been very resistant to vaccines and to masks. And so she's going to have to balance those things and those different constituencies and trying to figure out what to do for her state.
0: Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: So it's really interesting to see these sorts of countries alongside other countries which are also um, opening up. I mean, we're set, I think, exactly 17 months now yeah. into the pandemic. So we're just drawing those contracts.
0: Joining us now is Sammy Westfall, reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Sammy. Thanks. Happy to be here. Wanted to talk about, you know, we're seeing this surge in the United States with the Delta variant, obviously cases, hospitalizations, deaths are all going up right now, unfortunately, but the surge is not just happening here in the States. It's happening throughout the world and every country is hap- uh, handling it a little bit differently. We have the vaccines going, but you know there's big disparities in access to the vaccines across the world. So that's an issue. Obviously, we see some people with these anti-vaccine movement. They don't want to get it. All of this is driving up a lot of cases. And you know some countries are handling it better than others. Germany and Israel have uh, really high vaccination rates, which is great. Africa only has 2% fully vaccinated of their population. So obviously not doing too well there. So, Sammy, let's walk through some of these countries and and how they're handling the coronavirus pandemic right now. Let's start off with Indonesia. About 9% of their population is fully vaccinated, but they're kind of one of these global epicenters right now. They're dealing with a high death rate. Right,
2: yeah. What we're seeing there is really they've moved to a, a really quick surge. Um, cases weren't too bad and then um, it actually took over a year for Indonesia to exceed 50,000 deaths and then in only nine weeks they doubled that number and that's what's making it an epicenter. Um, So infections recently peaked and 2,000 people died on July 27 alone. Um, You know, it's fueled um, by the Delta variant in a lot of like a lot of places and you see that graves are having to expand, graveyards are expanding Where they're running out of oxygen, hospital beds are, you know, also being fully occupied. So it's really interesting to see these sorts of countries alongside other countries which are also um, opening up. I mean, we're set, I think, exactly 17 months now into the pandemic. So we're just drawing those contrasts.
0: I mean, it's so sad to hear stories like this. Uh, You know, Reuters was reporting on coffin makers out there saying before we were building a maximum of 10 caskets a day. Now they have to speed it up and do 30 that they're assembling every day just to meet the demand because so many people are are passing because of COVID. So sad story there. Let's talk about Britain because they have been an interesting case. Uh, About 59% of their population is fully vaccinated, which is great. That's a really good number for them. But they've also kind of just thrown caution to the wind now and they had mm-hmm. some they had some lockdowns boris johnson decided we're going to have freedom day everybody is basically has to learn how to live with the virus here now
2: right it's a completely different story there so in england like you said boris johnson just said that we are all going to operate on sort of a basis of personal decision rather than government controls. Um, And, you know, they really opened up on the first day of Freedom Day, right, on July 19th. People were out at nightclubs unmasked, people were celebrating. And, I mean, the interesting thing here, though, is cases were expected to just soar after, you know, the. In the weeks after July 19, when everything opened up, but they actually haven't cases are going down. And, you know, scientists are pretty puzzled, but I think we can look to that high number um, of 73% of adults aged 18 and over fully vaccinated to try to make sense of what's happening there.
0: And th- and that's what experts have been saying all along. You know, if you're fully vaccinated, you put yourself in the best position to fight this. So maybe some of those people might have gotten it, but the cases are so mild they didn't notice it, right? Avoiding the hospital and the severe infection is what's so important. So that's how Britain has been handling it. Uganda, they are about 1.3% fully vaccinated. So super, super low there. You know, they're going through a lot of it too. I, I think a lot of Ugandans are are paying for fake vaccines and scams. They're pretty desperate out there.
2: The case here is sort of the Ugandan president is really just did a full lockdown for a lot of June. You saw that personal and public vehicles couldn't travel. There was a marketplace with vendors there. um, And, you know, they didn't, they couldn't just stop selling or they couldn't because they, there's a sort of economic crisis there and people needed to, you know, continue their jobs. So what they did is they slept on the floors of the market for those um, lockdown weeks and under mosquito nets that the government decided to donate as well. So it's a pretty desperate situation. The interesting thing though, is that Uganda um, in Uganda cases did actually slow down after that major, major lockdown where everything except only the most essential things were closed down, which makes sense. I mean, we know that lockdowns can work because of how the virus spreads, but you know, it, it's, it just, Causes even more like desperate economic conditions for some of the people
0: working there. We're taking a tour of the world, so to speak, on how countries are handling the coronavirus pandemic right now. You profile two U.S. states in this piece: Kentucky and California. Let's start with Kentucky. They have a forty-six percent vaccination rate there, not the best, obviously, when compared to the rest of the country. But right there, you know, it seems that they have plateaued there. It doesn't seem like they're going to be climbing much higher for now. And they're trying all sorts of stuff, incentives, which we've seen a lot of places do, you know, a million dollar lottery, basically. If you if you get the vaccine, Mm -hmm. you could possibly win something like that.
2: Yeah. In Kentucky, we have I mean, like many states, there are counties that have a really high vaccination rate and counties with really low ones, like one of the really low vaccine uptake rates. You can see that in Lewis County, where only 27.5% of people have gotten vaccinated. And, you know, this is due to all sorts of different things, vaccine hesitancy, skepticism. Um, And you have nurses in Kentucky that are actually going to drive to people's houses in case that's the reason they don't want to get the vaccine. So it's nurses here who are desperate to vaccinate. It's just, yeah, it's putting these countries and um, states next to each other. You see that. Some countries would do anything for a vaccine, whereas others um, have vaccines just sitting in hospitals
0: unused. As I mentioned, California was also profiled in your piece, 54% fully vaccinated there. I live in California, so I've been subject to kind of the whiplash of all of the different guidance, you know, masks, no masks, back and forth, closures. I mean, it's been a pretty uh, rocky thing for California, too, which went through its own thing, you know, the Got a handle on it early on. Then it, things got really bad. You know, it's been all over the place for California.
2: Right. What we profiled here was a hot yoga studio, which was a really fun one to, to profile. You were, you saw that they, um, this studio sort of, I guess it's 105 degrees. It's a room where people are unmasked and they're breathing and doing yoga and sweating. Um, and the photos that we have for that section, you, you can just like see the sweat dripping. So they went... Um, they, the studio went uh, online. Then it went outside, and then you know the CDC rec- said that you know vaccinated people no longer need masks to um, continue doing their daily tasks. And then the studio came back um, maskless. And now you saw you see the CDC sort of walking back on that guidance on July 27 and saying. Um, that vaccinated people like should be wearing masks indoors so yeah i guess los angeles is which is where this studio was um is really just there's all sorts of different rules there's spotty enforcement of them as well um but for now los angeles counties um back to masks
0: bangladesh they have a three percent vaccination rate there and they're also an interesting story they had some Really, really restrictive lockdowns. I think they had uh, soldiers patrolling in the streets, making sure everybody Mm -hmm. was gone. But then they put a pause on that. There was a a big holiday, a Muslim holiday that they wanted to celebrate. So they put a pause on those lockdowns for a week and they had whatever they were going to do. But then right after that, again, the cases really started rising. So easing that lockdown there was not the smartest choice for them. And now they I guess the officials, local officials there said that they're going to impose a super strict lockdown once again
2: right yeah i guess this one thing that i've just seen a lot while reporting out this story is there's just so many contradictions in all of these different places and things are changing literally by by the day um so with bangladesh you went from really strict and they a lot of the officials were saying that the economy almost needs to celebrate this holiday because it's such a huge one to feed at the end um, of july so they opened up for eight days no rules People were going back to their home villages. People were crowding on ferries. Um, and, of course, that took a toll on the country, especially because it had so much to lose after locking down so hard in the weeks prior. Um, so it's almost like they lost a lot of what they had worked for. Um, and almost, you know, like they they all sacrificed their economy for these eight days, yeah. maybe.
0: I, I wanted to say that I, I appreciate how, starting off, you kind of mentioned that in reporting all of this, you really kind of do see how everybody was handling a different patchwork of things. Nobody was doing it the same way. And obviously you have to tailor it to whatever your country is, your needs, your location, all that stuff. But I mean, it just goes to show you how it's just so hard to get a control over a virus like this that uh, is obviously constantly mutating. Let's end off with Australia. They're 18% fully vaccinated there. And, For a while, it seemed like they were doing everything right. I mean, they had low rates and they closed themselves off to the rest of the world, basically. They're lucky because Mm -hmm. they're basically one big island like that. But even for them, you know, cases were able to sneak through.
2: Yeah, with Australia, you see sort of an interesting case where they're almost victims to their own complacency and their own success because they really had few cases and or they when they did have waves they really quickly shut down in almost these snap lockdowns you see places like Melbourne closing down six times. Every time there's even a few cases now they'll just completely close and get it um, back to zero. But, you know, now people don't know really for a long time what it's like to live with a virus and it's coming back Um, And all that is sort of on top of a pretty sluggish vaccine rollout in Australia with only 18 percent of its people vaccinated.
0: Well, like I said, just a look at how the world is handling the major coronavirus surge we're currently in. And hopefully we can get a handle on this and put this past us. But we'll have to see about Mm -hmm. all of that. Sammy Westfall, reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.